Golf is the best, number one. It's the GOAT of sports apps. Talk about the greatest of all time. Big Joe's the greatest of all time. He's the GOAT. We know it. <laughs> I, I'm going to say I'm the Djokovic of this scenario. <laughs> I love it. Love it. Download the OTB sports app now. And you are very welcome along to Thursday Night's Off The Ball. It's Richie McCormick here with you right through until 10pm tonight. An incredibly busy show on the way for you between now and then. We're going to be looking ahead to the weekend's football championship action. In essence, the first real weekend of football championship action. Conneth Gilligan and Eamon O'Hara are going to join us a little bit after 8 o'clock to look forward to all of that as well. It being a Thursday, John Giles is going to talk to us uh, just after half past seven. Of course, the appointment of Eric Ten Hag as Manchester United's new head coach is going to be chief among the topics down for discussion with John. In the football show tonight, busy one too, the Republic of Ireland under-21 manager Jim Crawford is going to join us in studio. Lengthy chat uh, talking about expectations for these final three qualifiers which could see Ireland reach the Euros for the first time ever at under-21 level. Also on top of that, the likes of Conor Noss, Mipo Odebeko and a whole lot more are down for discussion with Jim. And we're going to talk to Callum Jacobs who is the author of a brand new book entitled A New Formation How Black Footballers Shaped the Modern Game. That's all to come in the football show we'll also have meaningful metrics cash machines loads loads more uh, to get to tonight as well but it is uh, news round time and uh, Anne-Marie Donlan joins us in studio for the news round Hi Richie how are things? Joe Malloy joins us via the magic of internet uh, transmission as well Joe good evening to you Hello both how are we doing? Hi Joe uh, It's finally happened Eric Ten Hag is the new Manchester United head coach or at least he will be <clears throat> from next season and it didn't take long, Joe, for the first leak to come out of the Manchester United dressing room because oh, Eric Ten Hag has been appointed and according to Jamie Jackson in The Guardian, who will be well-sourced on all these matters, Eric Ten Hag's appointment has had a mixed reception from the Manchester United squad with some players ambivalent and others underwhelmed as they wait <laughs> to work with him. Says it all really about the job that's ahead of the poor man, doesn't it? Oh, man, that is caught off the presses. Jeez. They don't help themselves. Oh, what can you say? I mean, they must have, of any playing group in the Premier League right now, have the least right of any to have any qualms with any manager arriving. And also, what's it based on? What do they know? I mean, so they're, we're, we're not that impressed or we have misgivings. They don't know anything about Ten Hag on the training ground. They could just as easily uh, be thrilled with the manager who arrives and within two minutes they make up their minds that they don't like him either. So they're not really a group all that prone to be happy about much at the moment. So um, like all these things, he'll arrive and they will make their judgments very, very quickly in the same way that a group makes their judgments very quickly on a Frank Lampard or a Stephen Gerrard, you know, and, and by all accounts, he is exceptional on the training ground. Very few of the profile pieces we've done on him mm. uh, seem to suggest he's going to have issues putting on a good session or implementing good tactics. If anything, the concerns are about his personality, his force of personality, uh, his dealings with uh, those above him might be uh, difficult in that is he the type to really push back and, and they've been the worries. But in terms of like day-to-day training and, and setting them up for matches, which has been frankly of late, uh, you know, not good. I think we can say that. Then I don't really know what they're basing the misgivings on. But uh, look, these stories were always going to come. This is such a disaffected, toxic dressing room that any journalist wouldn't be long finding someone to have a misgiving. It's it's going to be interesting to see how long those leaks last, Amory, because they have been so continual for the last two, three managers, really, that we've heard these stories, particularly they picked up pace under Solskjaer and now under Ralph Rangnick. That that has to stop and pretty quickly as soon as he gets in his feet under the table there. Yeah, how many of these as well are going to be there in the next season or two? Like how many did Rangnick say need to go after the Liverpool loss? Was it 10? 
up to 10 players. Up to 10, Now, yeah. in fairness, like, there's a bunch of those that are going to be out of contract or moving on. So your likes of uh, Jesse Lingard is going to be out of contract, Pogba is going to be going, uh, Juan Mata will be off, Nemanja Matic will probably be gone. So there's a lot of these are kind of doing the heavy lifting for him to a degree. But there are others. There are other contracts on there that, you know, need to get going. Yeah, like, hasn't it been spoken as well about how his directness, like, kind of lives up to the... Um, Dutch mentality but like could that be a good thing in terms that discipline in terms of leaks that the clubs improve or could all hell just break loose in the next two years didn't work for Louis yeah you you hear different things as well because we did a piece with a journalist from The Athletic who had gone and spoken to former players in Munich and also in Holland and the reports that they had provided were of somebody who was not confrontational a real kind of gent, never lost his temper, was very exacting, like to the extent that everyone has to wear the same type of socks and training. And uh, he, you know, he's very keen to know what your bedtime is and all of these uh, real specifics. And, you know, we were even saying that night, something like everyone has to wear the same socks and training. If things go very well in two or three years time, we'll all be reading the profile pieces saying, and you know what? His attention to detail off yeah. the charts. Everyone in training had to wear the same coloured socks. Or equally, in 18 months, when this all blows up in his face, because yeah. this dress room uh, seems to be unmanageable, you'll be reading the exact same piece saying, he had weird obsessions, like everyone had to wear the same coloured socks. Yeah. And, you know, the w- Victor's right history and all that. So, uh, who knows? But by all accounts, he's not, he's not a shouter. He's not going to be on their case in that way. And I think the only way to handle this dressing room now... I, 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 they seem beyond pep talks and rally the troop calls and all that kind of stuff. I think you just got to get rid of them slowly but surely. Just weed them out That's the, and, and bring in the right characters. Steve McLaren coming in as an assistant is, is an interesting appointment as well. It's kind of nice to have somebody who at least knows the lay of the land there at the club in a very basic sense, has been there before and kind of knows what Manchester United is in a very kind of large scale sense. Who has the stronger Dutch accent? Do you know, um, <laughs> if I said that, uh, you'd castigate me for a joke. McLaren, yeah, true. Uh, no one said this was fair. Uh, <laughs> McLaren was in that piece as well, and he had Ten Hag as his assistant, like my how the tables have turned. Mm. But he said a very interesting thing. He was like talking about Ten Hag as this kind of tactical savant, where he was saying there wasn't a single match scenario or tactical situation that he didn't have Ten Hag all the answers to. And McLaren was saying as well that often most coaches have to go up high in the stand to see patterns and see the tactical uh, nuances of a game which by the way struck me as odd if McLaren was saying this and yet they all watched the matches from the sideline but anyway that's what he was saying he said Ten Hag was one of the few that it made no odds whether he was down pitch side or high in the stands he could see everything so McLaren in this piece in the Athletic spoke about Ten Hag from a tactical point of view like really like he was saying you know, I worked under the best. I've wonder. I've worked under Ferguson. I've worked under you name it. I've I've seen it all. Uh, nobody really makes better substitutions than Ten Hag. So you know. What if it doesn't work? <laughs> I don't think I can take another year or two <laughs> talking about Manchester United imploding. Like I feel like it's all we've spoken about for the last two and a half years, anyways. Oh yes, uh, our job satisfaction will uh, <laughs> dwindle further. Not that and, I'm saying uh, we'll don't listen, you know, but like yeah. it is no, tough I know, to I know what you mean. like. And like Gary Neville's already been out, like telling fans not to expect any immediate success. But w- what is the bar for success here? 
It's like top four, wouldn't it be? Has to I mean, be. Maybe yeah. that's maybe that's the best thing that's happened to him here. Is he now the first manager arriving where there's like there's no, no pressure e- really, no expectation, yeah. you know? But there kind of is, is the, at the same time as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like they've no chance, which almost makes you think they have a chance. <laughs> There's no expectation in the sense that you have to win the league within 18 months or two years, yeah. whatever. No. I think I think that's what the no expectation is. It's the fact that you just need to get this place running smoothly again to some tangible degree because at the moment it's mm. such a shambles that anything is know, an improvement from this point. Do you know a last thought I had? And this is, uh, it will be interesting because mm-hmm. at the moment, if you take Rangnick, who seems to have no real control and actually... Uh, this four-two-two-two business and just his general approach, I found questionable, and his team selection is questionable. So you've Rangnick, and then Solskjaer. The sense was not a great tactician, and then it was Mourinho, and this very reductive style of football when you compare it to Klopp and to Guardiola, and then before that Van Gaal. So you got to be respectful of, but it was it was pretty dull football, a lot of passing, not much excitement, and then Moyes. There's an argument now that this is the first like cutting edge tactical manager in his pomp in in, in the current era, not in his prime, like a, yeah. yeah, in his prime, exactly, not like a kind of Mourinho after a sell by date. So this is kind of the first time I, and I don't really know where Moyes is on that scale, I suspect, of a certain level, but in terms of the Pep Guardiolos of the world and, and cutting edge football. So this is the first time we're gonna see um, this group prepared tactically as well as they could possibly be prepared. And we're going to find out a whole lot of things. Like that's, if you're a Manchester United fan, if you're a casual onlooker, I think that's the interesting thing is that there's now a sense that, right, we'll see how good this group is when they're prepared properly. And if they're going out and we're still saying in September, October, they look like a team without a plan, then at least at this time we can categorically say, well, that's not on the manager. This group clearly don't follow plans. And, and that'll be very interesting. You know, it'll be conclusive. If they're in October playing without a plan, then we can safely say, well, it's not the manager. So there really is something bad in this dressing room. Yeah, I'd be interested to get the uh, the listeners' thoughts on the appointment of Eric Ten Hag as the new head coach's Manchester United manager. 53106 for 30 cent. If you want to get in contact tonight, you can tweet us as well, add off the ball. The news round, though, is brought to you by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. And as we say, Anne-Marie, a great day for Donny van der Beek. Yeah, Eric Ten Hag says he wants to bring success back to Manchester United. That's after being appointed as their new manager this morning. The Ajax boss will move to the Premier League club at the end of the season after signing a three-year contract. He has won two Dutch leagues with Ajax and also guided them to the semi-finals of the Champions League back in 2019 where they lost out to Spurs. The appointment has been welcomed by some but as you said earlier not impressed by others. Former United captain Gary Neville says that it is a good appointment but fans can't expect immediate success. I want to be careful in saying that there is long-lasting damage but the mental impact of what's happening at the club at this moment in time, of the types of defeats that they're suffering, the type of criticism that they're getting, the fans booing them, that is going to have long-lasting impact on some of those lads to the point where Eric Tan Hag will have to make a decision as to whether actually he can recover it. And with some of them, he may not be able to because it's getting that bad. So I think there's a big job to do in many different aspects. First job is obviously for him to decide who he wants to keep, who he wants on the bus that's currently there. And that will be something that I'm sure he's doing in conjunction with Darren Fletcher on the bench and Ralph Rannick, who may remain in a consultancy role. And Eric Tan Hag's got a big job to get the club back up to those minimum standards that the club need to achieve, which is, which is attitude, work ethic, belief, confidence. And then hopefully he starts to think then about winning trophies 
But honestly, I wouldn't be putting too much pressure on Eric Ten Hag, Ten Hag in the first one or two years to win a trophy at the club. It'd be great if he did, and he'd be, I would be actually overachieving, in my opinion. It would be get into the top four, re-establish Manchester United in the Champions League, attract the players into the club that can play the way in which he wants to play, and then start to believe, get a system of belief. It took Jurgen Klopp, was it three, four, five years to win a Premier League title, as great a job as he's done. You know, so I think that it could be that type of job. You know, I wouldn't put pressure on Eric Tan Hag in that first two or three years to win a Premier League title. They're a million miles away from that currently. Yeah, that's Gary Neville there. Of course, the last thing you know, they want to do is be trigger happy once they've got their new man in place. Uh, but there is a chance for Frank Lampard's to be a bit nervy tonight, Anne-Marie. Yeah, one game in the Premier League this evening. Burnley and Southampton kicks off at Turf Moor at 7.45. And a win for the hosts would see them go, go just a point behind Everton, who hover just above the relegation zone. Nathan Collins starting again for Burnley tonight, which is uh, good news, I guess, from a Stephen Kenny perspective to see him uh, starting on a kind of regular basis in the Premier League uh, but the, the there's just loads and loads of Manchester United news today and this one is I guess the bottom of the barrel in terms of where we've reached uh, regarding the, the Harry Maguire discourse. Mm-hmm. The home of Manchester United captain Harry Maguire was swept by police today after the defender received a bomb threat. Cheshire police said that no evacuations took place but a police explosive dog did attend the scene. A spokesman for Maguire described the incident as a serious threat to his family home. Elsewhere, Cristiano Ronaldo thanked the Anfield crowd today for their show of compassion following the death of his newborn son. A minute's applause was held during Tuesday's game between Liverpool and Manchester United, which the forward missed following the tragedy. He posted on Instagram today saying, me and my family will never forget this moment of respect and compassion. One world, one sport, one global family. Thanks, Anfield. Yeah, it was a really touching moment there in the seventh minute at Anfield the other night. Joe, on the Maguire story and, and talks of, of bomb threats and all this kind of stuff, as I mentioned, really have reach the bottom of the barrel in terms of the treatment of somebody who is a professional footballer who by his own admission hasn't had a great season uh, but was by no means um, uh, rubbish at his job uh, entirely Um, but this is just ridiculous stuff to be happening to to a footballer and to a family It is, yeah for sure you kind of hope it turns out to be a 10 year old, 11 year old who doesn't fully appreciate what they've put the family through as opposed to an adult who has lost all perspective and all touch with reality and, and thinks this is appropriate behaviour because, you know, it will be a shocking thing for the family. Uh, you'd kind of suspect there's nothing to it, but that won't stop them sleeping very uneasily and worrying that some lunatic is going to jump the fence and do something stupid some night. You know, it's, it's like it's a shocking thing to, to do. Uh, the Maguire thing at large, there's something odd about it because he's in dreadful form. He's in dreadful form, like he's playing horrifically. That's, that's one thing. But he never strikes you as a, a bad lad. You know, he's, he's like real like level-headed, uh, not, never too big for his boots. I wouldn't say uh, the kind of person that would prompt a strong reaction either way, either incredibly likable and charismatic or somebody that would, you know, really irritate you just seems like a fairly just there. A normal yeah. fella yeah and for like England fans to have booed him a couple of weeks ago was extremely odd really was made no sense I mean 
it made sense in the sense, I don't know, are they saying he shouldn't play for England? Like he's been quite good for England. But like that was, it was kind of an odd hate figure. He's an extremely un, un, unlikely hate figure. And so why, like there are others you could point to, whether it's a Manchester United fan who did this, I don't know. But there are others that you could almost say, oh, I, I could see how someone like that would really get under the skin of of, of fans, for instance. And, and Maguire, as bad as he's playing, isn't that personality. So it's been a rather strange couple of weeks. I don't know how he's emerged as, you know, the face of the of, of, of everything that's that's ill at the club as badly as he's playing. Because yeah, look, he's in, and we've seen his interviews kind of almost mocked a little bit and <coughs> and maybe that's part of it. I, I don't know. There's no excuse for it either way, but it is an odd thing that it's gone from Manchester United fans not liking the way he's playing to being criticised by pundits, but to graduate to England fans booing him and now this, I, I can't explain it. There's, a, there's just a very unusual. strange velocity about it all, whereby it, it oh. just keeps perpetuating the more people discuss it online. And like th- at the very root of it, there isn't much to discuss. It's a player who costs a fair bit of money, granted, isn't playing that well where do you go with that but there's, mm. th- it seems to be a want to keep him in the conversation and keep him as this lightning rod for all of Manchester United's ills or at least most of them and being a kind of a, a poster boy for everything that's bad about Manchester United at the minute and it's just it's unfair because there's a squad full of players there that are you know underperforming there's you know a bunch of people who are leaking that are completely undermining the club um, that are probably doing more damage than he is on a day to day basis I mean it's now graduated or you know gotten down to the level of getting bomb threats I mean it's just it's utterly utterly bizarre and hopefully this is a point where people kind of go alright let's back off here because <clears> this <throat> is going to do damage to to, yeah. to a family really no big time big time and maybe we're trying to rationalise something which can't be rationalised and maybe hmm. it will turn out that the person who did it is, is is just so out of touch with reality that you know it's 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 just such a minority uh, at play here the England thing was more in some ways more striking that England fans were booing him I thought that that made no sense to me you know that was real uh, like ganging up almost or like a bullying it's a bullying a, thing a, a person stage, yeah. kind of a thing yeah it's like this is our our our, our, um, our punching bag this is our bit of fun you know uh, meat thrown to the wolves kind of a thing and and that that was very unsavoury uh, like as badly as he genuinely is playing but like yeah I don't know it's uh, it's really grim it, this might shock people um, at large in England fans included the next game to actually thinking Oh, hang on, this has all gone way too far for yeah. a fellow who's just making bad defensive reads. On the uh, the text front, and, and with regards to the reaction to Ten Hag's appointment, uh, one texter says, the fair question, but the expectation for success has to be not being absolute dirt at football, they say. Uh, where they finish or what they qualify for can be random in a way. Being competitive and playing somewhat to their potential is the very least United fans want, and the current group are laughably far away from that at the moment. As Neville said the other night, it's the easiest fixture on the schedule right now. Uh, level-headed texter, thank you for that. And a tweet saying, what I want from Ten Hag's first season is win, lose or draw for United to become the fittest hardest working team in the Premier League anyone who doesn't want part of that they know where the door is that's from Tony and Sandry and on the Sox thing like there is something in that and I know everybody did, like this. all this kind of stuff gets mocked or you know praised depending on how successful or otherwise the manager is I'm, I remember in one of the documentaries after Liverpool won the league because there were a couple um, Jurgen Klopp pointing at that when he first took charge he was looking at the team preparing for the game laying away to Spurs I think it was and all the players were all wearing different kind of bits of gear and they seemed a little bit of a hodgepodge in terms of what they were wearing and he wanted just a sense of literal uniformity about them that they were looking like a team and that they were looking like they were representing the best of themselves and the best of the club so these little tiny things like everyone has to have the same socks 
can have the smallest of effect here. Oh, completely. I have a strange propensity for self-help books, so I hoover them up. Do you? And, oh, hoover them up. I'm not looking for life-changing stuff, but they're, you know, you see uh, similarities across them and you just, one or two little things take from them. And like, there's absolutely countless examples, be it uh, there've been companies that have turned their lot around, there have been individuals that have turned their lot around, and uh, certainly something that pops up is the power of some some very small habitual changes uh, from which a lot flows. Be it make your bed first thing in the morning, yeah. you know that kind of that kind of stuff. Or we're going to make this company the safest company to work for, and unions agree on that, and workers agree on that, and bosses, agree, everyone has to agree on safety. So, but from that mass productivity flows, you know, just by getting in the habit of doing things properly. So there's absolutely uh, stuff and all that, like Guardiola. Uh, will weigh players and like if they're, uh, you know, gram overweight, they're not playing and, and attention to detail is massively important. So like, I wouldn't, you know, you'd wonder why socks might be important, but then it's not about the socks. And anyone who can't see that, I suppose, is is maybe the kind of person that Ten Hag might think twice about. Yeah. Um, you know, back in the day, Roy Keane, <laughs> socks, shorts, no gloves. That was the way he trained. Yeah. It's like their position as well as boss, but in a subtle way. Hmm. Tiny things. Yeah. Uh, Mick outside in the box says a team OTB uniform is on the way. What does that even look like? I'm really interested to know what Joe has picked up from these self-help books. Well, isn't it obvious? Make the bed every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, did you change your life around four years ago or something? No, I wouldn't. Come on, tell so. us. Well, do you want me to tell you? tell you I, 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 I need to have a think about that question I don't know um, nothing dramatic actually I'd say nothing okay dramatic. just subtle changes I, yeah I find in the main like a lot of them are very very average like if you if you get one or two good things out of them you're doing pretty well I would say but a lot of it is generic stuff like they're just filler chapters well isn't it the self help industry ultimately the perfect yeah. self help book will end the self help industry so you're never going to find one that fixes everything like your life that is profound yeah. you should call your self-help book the book to end the self-help okay. <laughs> I see titling things is not one of the things that's come from those self-help books Joe but we'll move uh-huh. on um, news of uh, team news from Munster as well because of a, a big derby course tomorrow night in the United Rugby Championship yeah they'll be without captain Peter O'Mahony Simon Zebo and Niall Scannell for that trip to Belfast to play Ulster in the United Rugby Championship they are seven changes in all to the side that beat Exeter Chiefs with Craig K Casey and Shane Daly coming into the back line. Then there is a new front row of Jeremy Lockman, Jermit Barron and Stephen Archer. Ulster, meanwhile, have handed a start to Stuart Moore at fullback, while Matty Ray and Geordie Murphy will come into the side at blindside and open flankers, with Nick Timoney switching to number eight. There is Gaelic Games action on this evening and the semi-finals of the Airgrid Leinster Under-20 Football Championship are taking place. It's halftime in Tullamore where Kildare and Offaly are level at 1-5 to 8 points apiece and in five minutes time throw in at Parnell Park we'll see Dublin take on Meath a little bit of history was made at Markovic Park last night that's a Sligo won their first ever Connacht title at this age level they beat Mayo by a point four goals and four points to 1-12 the final score Sligo were down to 14 men in the last 10 minutes and scored two of those goals to create a special night for the county here's their captain Jack Lavin speaking to Ocean FM 
We've always been a tight group, uh, but especially, as I said, since Redoux's passing, uh, really brought us together, uh, especially we had, we had four Kerry lads on our team. Uh, Oshin was a member of this team last year. Uh, things like that really bring teams together. It showed, it really showed to us there is more to life than football. So like, instead of going into this game nervous, we went to enjoy it. Uh, thankfully we did, and it's just great to see smiles on people's faces again, especially wearing the Sligo jersey. Everyone on this team, uh, like we spoke about a new era for Sligo football. The minors started this year. We're bringing it to a new level this year. Thankfully we have. Um, yeah, like no one on this on this team does not deserve to wear a Sligo jersey. We're a pride, and uh, it's the way it should be, really. Yeah. An absolutely mad finish to that game last night. We'll talk about it a little bit more with Eamon O'Hara, who I know was involved last night. He's going to join us after 8 o'clock, ostensibly to talk about the football championship. But that was such a momentous night for Sligo football and for Sligo GEA. And as you mentioned, uh, so close after the passing of Red Up Murphy that it's uh, worth talking about and worth lingering on. A fantastic night for Sligo there at Markovich Park. Amory, thank you so much for the news around tonight. No uh, Joe, we'll let you get back to your list of, of books and possibly titling the one for Amory tonight. Very good. See you guys. Thanks, Mel. Nice and Joe. Uh, and your suggestions for what the OTB uniform should look like, because Mick is apparently drawing designs up outside as we speak. Uh, I want to know what we're all going to be dressed in. And will it be like the front cover of Craftworks Man Machine? I figure it's going to be something like that, judging by the, uh, the colour scheme in here.